0: The Witching Hour with Aaron Maza is a Mind Garden Media podcast in association with Screw You Tag Productions. My name is Aaron Maza, and this is The Witching Hour. Hey, everyone! It's Aaron. I just want to give a big thank you to everyone who listened to my last episode with the legendary and indomitable Lee Morgan and give you another thank you for joining me for this episode with the wonderful Rue Lee story as we talk about their newest book, Your Tarot Toolkit. And I also just want to say thanks to everybody who joined me this season As this is the last episode of Season 3, and I know you're going to be looking forward to Season 4 as much as I'm looking forward to Season 4. And as always, if you have any questions, you know where to find me. Hey Rue, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Aaron? Doing good. The sun is finally out in St. Louis. It's 65 degrees. And I am very happy to be here talking to you. Likewise. I think it's 71 degrees in Atlanta, so not that different. (laughs) Mm, That just sounds so much better, though, because it's Atlanta. The weather's always pretty nice down there year round. Oh, I remember one time I was watching the weather and you guys Mm -hmm. got snow and people just didn't know what to do with themselves.
1: Yeah. So I'm originally from the Midwest and I wasn't here for that, but I was here, I think, a year or two after that. And I heard all of these horror stories of like, oh, God, there was snow. And we did. And I'm like, we had to go to school when there was a foot of snow outside. What are you on about?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Give us hurricanes, but God, please don't give us a quarter inch of snow. Heaven forbid. forbid. (laughs) So let's start things off, Rue, with tell us a bit about yourself, who you are. You mentioned you're from the Midwest, so about where you're from. Just give us the 411. Who is Rue Lee's story? It's a solid question.
1: I ask myself (laughs) that every day. So... Yeah, I grew up in the Midwest. My joke is that I'm the kid of a lapsed Lutheran and a lapsed Jew, so we really didn't have a ton of religion in my household. I have an aunt who's Wiccan, so that was kind of my first introduction to any of that kind of realm. And I kind of didn't know what I wanted to be spiritually when I grew up, if anything, for a long time. And that was super important to me for some reason. I guess because I wasn't raised with it, it felt like this magical, magical thing that I wanted to figure out. And I really didn't until... I guess, five-ish years ago, I started with tarot, shockingly, given that that's what the first book I wrote is about. And that my spiritual practice kind of just kept ballooning from there. And I've been learning a lot more about, yep, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> I brought my one of mine too, because I was like, I should probably have this for reference just in case. Because sometimes I don't remember what I wrote.
0: <laughs> Welcome yeah. to my clone.
1: Yeah, I, I'm sure. <laughs> so yeah, I really, I care a lot about making witchcraft in general, but especially tarot accessible. I feel like it's a system that can be spiritual or can be secular, even though it kind of gets associated with spirituality more often than not. And I'm also a Unitarian Universalist. And my goal is to go back to school and become a Unitarian Universalist chaplain. So
0: that's a a whole other can of worms. So you mentioned you had an aunt who practiced Wicca. Is that what started you on the path We all have that first book that we picked up. So tell us how you got started on this path and the first book about witchcraft that you picked up.
1: Honestly, I think it was the idiot's guide to Wicca if I'm honest. (laughs) And I don't even remember how or why it might've been something that I found at the library. Like I'd certainly been exposed to it a little bit with my aunt, but I didn't really start looking deeper into it myself until a little bit later. And I was probably a teenager when I read that specific book which was a good kind of outsider's glimpse into it. Idiot's Guide, I guess. But it definitely, that was not the moment that kind of sparked things off necessarily. It was just, okay, that's interesting. I'll log that away for later. Weirdly, I think the first book that got me really snowballing was not a spirituality book. It was a fiction book, The Raven Cycle by Maggie Stiefvater. I don't know if that's how you say her name. I hope so. Tarot is a big plot point and it's treated as actually here's what the whole system is and not just kind of as a mulligan of, oh, you pulled the death card, gasp. It actually goes deeper into like one of the characters is associated with the Page of Cups and it's really detailed and informative about what that means for that character. And at the time I was kind of in a not great brain space because my dad had recently died and I come from a very close family So that was pretty devastating. And I was sort of like, I need something. I don't know. How about we get a tarot deck just to see if that it wasn't going to be spiritual originally. I just sort of thought it would be a good almost mindfulness tool, which Mm -hmm. it was. But then it started ballooning into, oh, I'm getting what feel like ancestor connections through my tarot deck. And I'm figuring out how to do spell work with different tarot cards. That would probably be my Genesis book, even though it's not a witchcraft book. Such as it is.
0: <laughs> we all start somewhere. Yeah. So I ask this to every one of our guests. There is no right or wrong answer, but how would you define witchcraft in the times that we are in? And also, how would you define magic? So it's kind of a two-part question, but not two-part like essay question. Not, right? <laughs> like did, but just a two-part question in general, because there is no wrong answer. You just got to let us have it. That is a really good question.
1: Witchcraft feels like a specific kind of... I don't even want to say spirituality because it isn't. I know that there are plenty of people who practice witchcraft that feel that it is a secular practice. But for me, it feels kind of interchangeable, at least in my experience, because both of them have to do with connecting more deeply to myself and connecting more deeply to the world around me and something bigger than myself. And magic would be trying to act on the world and myself, I guess, in a very, <laughs> this is what my grandfather, who is not witchy at all, would call newage. It's new age, one word smushed together in a very newage, newage.
0: way, Very newage.
1: said looking down his nose, clearly. This is the Lutheran side of the family. Yeah, it's connecting to your personal like sense of power and empowerment and using that to reach into the world and do things. I don't know if that makes sense at all as a series of answers, but,
0: but it does make sense. It's kind of funny. You know, where I meet people go, Oh, that's new age. I just like to tell them, well, we wouldn't need a new age if the old one had worked.
1: <laughs> that is a great <laughs> response. It's really yes, sweet yes. though, because my grandmother, who's extremely Lutheran, And I'm pretty sure had me baptized in secret as an infant, which that worked real well. I'm a a queer witch. So good job. That clearly did the trick. But she has my book. even though she doesn't get it at all, she's like, "Oh, they're just such a good writer, and this, all of this stuff is so much just about self care." And I, it, I think she's divorcing it from the witchy aspect at all, which is fine. It's just sweet that she's interested at all, but it makes me laugh.
0: Yeah, it's sort of like a it's a situation. It's the same situation with my mom. My mom, is just like, "How's how's that podcast thing you're doing? Doing? How's that writing thing you're doing?" Doing and I'm mm-hmm. just like, it's going good. She's like, she doesn't want to say the W word.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't make it's not real if you don't say the word. Then you can just pretend it's it's a podcast that's about some stuff that we're not going to think about.
0: <laughs> but like it's just kind of like they've said in another way, well just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not real. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. So, this next question is going to be something that I believe is going to be in your wheelhouse. How do you feel like the witchcraft and pagan community does where it comes to those who deal with disabilities in terms of like inclusivity and visibility? I know you got something to say about that. I sure do.
1: <laughs> I think it's better than it was when I first started researching it, like when I first picked up The Idiot's Guide to Witchcraft or Wicca. But I think there's still a lot to go. I think something that really felt like a barrier for a long time for me because I have fibromyalgia. I had endometriosis for several years. So I have chronic pain that I deal with every day. And I only have a certain amount of energy that I can use every day. And that fluctuates from day to day. And I see a lot of modern witchcraft books and resources talking about, hey, maybe we don't need all of the trappings. Maybe you don't need a cabinet full of crystals and herbs and wands and all the things in order to practice, which that's great. And that's true. And I think that's an important piece of it. But I don't as often see the conversation around, okay, what if I don't have the energy to do an hour long ritual? What if I can't go drum in a circle because that causes sensory overload for me? Like all of these things. And It's impossible to make everything accessible for every permutation because obviously neurodivergence and disability is a huge umbrella with tons of diversity. But in general, I think we can do better. And that's something that I am trying to address, at least on some level with my blog, because I want there to be resources out there for people who have lots of cool things that they could be putting into the world and energy they could be putting into the world if things felt a little bit more accessible, and you could open a book of spells and go, okay, I can adjust this a little bit, and maybe take out these steps or find a shorter hand for these steps or something, so that I'm able to do this as well as someone who's able-bodied or who's neurotypical.
0: It's funny that you say that, because I started doing that. I am a creature of habit. Mm -hmm. And I'm an earth sign if that says anything. <laughs> and I have to improvise and stuff like that because I got super duper sick in 2020 with COVID. And it's left me with like arthritis and yep. things like that. So I really do like what you're saying because I, and that's the thing that some people, some people also get stuck in habits. And it's like I've said 10,000 times before, we leave organized religion because the dogma leaves us out. So then we go somewhere else and start our own dogma that does what? Leaves people out. Exactly. And how do you think that we as a community can be more accessible to those who are dealing with disabilities? This is your chance to just make it plain as the nose on my face.
1: <laughs> I mean the the difficult thing like I said about disability and neurodivergence is that it is such a huge like even with other minority groups like obviously there's a huge amount of diversity in the LGBT community but you kind of have at least a general sense of what that maybe looks like when you say the word queer or LGBT. With disability and neurodivergence, there are so many different ways that that can manifest. And what's possible for one person is going to be completely impossible for someone else, even with the same condition. So it's unfortunately not a one size fits all, which I'm sure would make it easier and more straightforward for folks. But Mm -hmm. I think just the thing that I would love to see, and I I am seeing a little bit more With books that are coming out in the last couple of years, especially, and I would love to see become more and more widespread, is just keeping it in mind when you're writing or talking about witchcraft. And even just mentioning this is maybe a weird comparison, but you get this when someone introduces themselves with their pronouns, even if they aren't necessarily 100% great about LGBT stuff in general, you get this, okay. You're going to be cool if I explain my pronouns to you, at least, so we have a starting point. I Mm -hmm. sort of would love to see more gurus and writers and speakers in the witchcraft community just acknowledge from time to time, like, oh, if this isn't possible for you, here's some other alternatives for what you could do. I just started reading The Magical Writing Grimoire by Lisa Marie Basile, I believe is her last name. and. She immediately was doing that. Like, if you can't do a full bath before a ritual, washing your hands in this specific way could have the same effect. And it was like something inside of me unclenched a little bit as soon as I read that. And I went, okay, this is going to be a good book for me. I feel like with that kind of person, even if I went to an event that she was hosting and she was suggesting something that I couldn't do, because I know that she has that in her mind, I feel like I could approach her and say, hey, what about if i can't do x do you have any suggestions or how could i be included and i would feel more comfortable doing that than with someone who writes in a very traditional like well you have to do it this way and there are no other ways kind of like you were saying the dogma so that's kind of a roundabout way of just acknowledging that your way may not be possible for everyone and leaving that door open for folks to approach you with here's my limitations here's my capacity
0: how can we figure this out together I like that. It's just kind of like it kind of goes with like what you're saying. You make it applicable for everybody. Mm -hmm. I feel like the same way. Just like you mentioned about the visibility of like queer people Mm -hmm. in like spiritual spaces and in circles and stuff, especially whenever it comes to like getting away from thinking that the only way that you can do magic is with the male female polarity. You know what I mean? Yep.
1: Yep. Yeah, I think about that a lot, too. I also just read Bending the Binary by Deborah Lipp, and it was a similar thing of, oh, cool, this person gets it and is acknowledging, yes, that is one way to tap into magic, but it is not the way. It is just one of many possibilities. And that, to me, is that what witchcraft should be. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so your book, your yes. tarot kit. what yes. I liked about it is I am not... Tarot savvy, but I feel mm-hmm. like you took the tarot and you made it approachable. You know what I mean? Like whenever mm-hmm. you did the exercises, you had like the what I call the star system.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: From kind of like whenever you go to a Thai restaurant and they're like, "You want one star or four stars?" <laughs> yes. It's, it's, and I love Thai food, so it worked really good because there'll be some like witchcraft books that like you read, and the activity is like five pages. Long. Exactly. Like,
1: all this. I'm right, and when am I going to have time for this? <laughs>
0: I mean, they were great books. I'm not Mm -hmm. knocking anybody. It's just like, you're sitting there reading The Ritual with one eye open. (laughs) Yeah. But like I said, your book made it accessible. Your book brought a lot of clarity to the tarot for me. What made you want to put this, all this knowledge between two covers? What inspired you to do that?
1: It's kind of the book that I wanted when I was starting out with tarot and I couldn't find. So... I find with a lot of tarot books, they broadly, and this is a generalization, they tend to fall into two categories. It'll either be, here is an absolute beginner's guide that has you know the basic meanings for each card, or it'll be something way more specific, like here's a book of spreads that you can do. Here's specific information about the court card. All of that is great. And I have many of those books on my bookshelves, to be clear. But I got to a point when I had kind of gotten past that beginner phase. And I sort of had an understanding of what all the cards meant. And one of the first things they recommend when you're learning tarot reading is pull a card for yourself every day. And I was doing that and going, cool, I pulled five of cups. I know what that means. I don't know what to do with that now, because I want to keep this in mind as I go through my day. And just kind of having this abstract thought of, okay, this means X, Y, and Z doesn't feel connected to my practical day-to-day life. And there are a few books that will have spells or like herb associations with tarot cards, which are also really cool. And I have used those books too, but I really wanted something that was, here's how to translate your daily draw into your day, other than just looking at it and then going about your life and forgetting it ever happened, maybe putting it in a journal. And so I kind of started it out just creating affirmations for myself based on the cards and then I went wait a minute I might have something here let's expand on this
0: and then <laughs> bada bing bada boom here yeah. is your tarot <laughs> toolkit with no effort at all so, I'm like reading it and I think I like it like this says, reward yourself mm-hmm. and it's that you'd be amazed about how that phrase just blew your mind because then I start going into like deep existential questions like do I deserve to reward myself? (laughs) So the questions like or even just like the title of the exercise is kind of like had a double meaning for me like Mm -hmm. do I deserve to be rewarded and you'd be like yes yes you do.
1: (laughs) I'm really glad. what's next? A sidebar. When I was talking to Jenna Matlin about the book, she said, it's kind of a self-care book that happens to be about tarot. And I was like, that's exactly what it is.
0: It's good for self-care and it's good for just changing your life around in general and just making it more, like you said, yeah, making it more you centered self. I know that this is not meant to be that self-centered, you know, who, who said self-centered has to be a bad word.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I think there's self-centered and then there's self-absorbed. Self-centered can be fine. Self-absorbed can be a problem.
0: I Um, said it and you said it even better.
1: (laughs) That's not true. (laughs) So what's next? Well, the blog is something I'm working on a lot, which is Tiny Witchcraft. It's on my website. And that's kind of where I'm thinking about and writing about making not just tarot, but witchcraft in general more accessible. So I'm doing a lot of here's a very basic accessible spell for something. I've been doing a series on the holidays, like the wheel of the year and little ways that you can honor them or acknowledge them without pushing yourself too hard, stuff like that. And then I'm working on what will probably be another book using tarot to kind of develop your own spiritual practice, because that's that's sort of the next thing that happened for me in my own Genesis story. So I would love to make that more accessible. And coming from the UU faith too, which is so much about building your own set of beliefs and figuring out what you believe and everyone's belief system can be different. And that's cool and beautiful. I want that to be more accessible to everyone. And I think tarot is a great tool to start with for a lot of people.
0: Where can we find you out there on the World Wide Web? Where can we find you <laughs>
1: My website is really com, and that is also where my blog is. And I'm also at RoolyStory really on Instagram and at tiny underscore witchcraft is where I put the more blog specific stuff typically.
0: I follow you on Instagram. Yay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so I think what we can do to sum up what Rooly really is about, going back to the first question, mm-hmm. is... All you need to be a witch, like you said, you don't need the crystals, the wands, the cabinet full of herbs or anything like that. All you need is this and you're a witch no matter how much or how little that you perceive you put into it. Absolutely.
1: And it is about your relationship with your craft and not comparing yourself to, oh, but that person is doing so much more and has this huge ritual or whatever. It's about you ultimately. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I really enjoyed getting to chat with you today, Rue. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me. This was lovely. And that book is Your Tarot Toolkit by Rue story. Go to your local metaphysical book retailer to pick it up. It is published by Llewellyn. And if you can't find it at your local metaphysical book retailer, tell them to order it. Or you <laughs> can even find it on the interwebs out there too, folks.
1: Go to bookshop.org. Don't support Jeff yes. Bezos.
0: <laughs> I will talk to you again, Rue, and it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Aaron. Hey, thanks for sticking around. I just want to take a moment to share with you something that is very near and dear to my heart and also should be near and dear to the hearts of those listening to this program. If you have listened to the news lately, or maybe you've seen on your socials, a series of bills attempting to be passed in many states by those who would desire to censor the history of the United States, mainly the history of historically marginalized communities, namely the LGBTQ community and the communities of color. These bills would censor the contributions these communities have made and hide the evils that they have suffered throughout this nation's history. I ask you to take some time and please reach out to your elected officials and tell them you do not support the censorship of history. Bills that seek to ban things such as the teaching of critical race theory and don't say gay or trans bills and drag bans are dangerous, not only because they erase the past, but they are also very dangerous to the present and the future as well. Again, I ask you to partner with me in taking a stand and speaking out. And also, thanks for hanging around.
1: make podcasting easy mind garden media can get you going on your
0: very own podcast with many years in the broadcast and audio industry mind garden media can edit fully produce and provide all the web distribution services
1: we're podcasters too so we'll guide you every step of the way to a professional sounding podcast production for information email the mind garden media at gmail.com the mind garden media at gmail.com or check us out on Facebook.